the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the show, Ridiculous Historians. We always say thank you for tuning in, but in this case especially, thank you very, very much. Uh, and and thank you, Noel, for uh, being here too. No worries, Ben. Um, you're a little farther across the table than I'm used to. I kind of want to. I want to reach out and touch you, but you're just beyond my grasp. Reach out and touch, Ben. I would, Ben. I got a question. Why more so now than ever? I don't understand. What's the occasion? Right. This is not a, a reference to Fox News, and in no way is this an endorsement of that network. You and I, Noel, are here in recording for the first time in sunny L.A. We are in the way cooler Los Angeles studios. Why are you nagging our uh, Atlanta digs, man? They're pretty cool too. They're cool. You know what? Maybe I am accidentally negging because this this is all shiny and new car smell for it's me. True. It feels, dare I say, luxurious. And we even have a shiny new car smell super producer that comes with the package. That's right. That's right. Uh, our super producer, Casey Pegram, as always, is here in spirit while he's holding down Atlanta HQ. We are immensely privileged to be joined with our L.A. super producer, Daniel Goodman. How's it going, Daniel? It's going excellently. Thrilled to be here with you both. And we feel the same, good sir. <laughs> Does he get his own sound effects since he spoke on the mic? Uh, yeah, I think so. Can oh it be goodness. like a Red Hot Chili Peppers whammy guitar kind of dive? Only just because it's the most cliche California thing I could think of. Yeah, are you okay with that? I would be honored, truly. This guy's energy, he right? He really does have a good vibe. <laughs> um, speaking of vibes, uh -huh. how do you feel about luxury? 
I uh, we were talking about this. It's funny because you and I often when we're when we're hanging out before we start rolling, we end up just shooting the breeze. And then partway through, we say, you know what? We should have been recording this. So this is the conversation that we were having earlier. Uh, I, I don't know about you, Noel, but I have always had a strange relationship with the concept of luxury because luxury itself is so relative and comparative, right? Like uh, in, in places where people are starving, being able to eat is a luxury. In places where people are very well-to-do, small things like a bag of cashews might be this luxury, right? Yeah, but how do you feel about like fine linens and cushions and, you know, massages and oils? I lotions. I appreciate it. I don't know why I'm going down this, this road. <laughs> I appreciate all of them except for massages. You know how I am about strangers touching me. But what about you, man? How what about you? jewels and gold and fine oh, precious metals? You were specifically picking stuff <laughs> that terrifies me <laughs> with your with your hands. Well, yeah, yeah. What about you? Uh, I don't know, man. I'm 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 fine with the opulent life, even though mm-hmm. I I don't live it. But I, I like looking at other people that live it. Well, we're getting there, and and I don't want to put you on the spot, but, you know, uh, longtime listeners, you'll recall that uh, my ride-or-die Noel here has a uh, has a past in the opera houses of great renown. You know, you moved in some rarefied air. Well, they, they let me sit in the corner <laughs> and sniff the rarefied air. In a rarefied corner. Yeah, I, um, I've had recently... Uh, I've had some weird luxury experiences on airlines. You know, we've talked about this on the show before. Uh, You and I have been traveling a lot. Luckily, I think we both enjoy the experience of traveling. Uh, I don't know about you. uh, I'm not trying to sound 1% here or anything, but I tend to sleep better in moving vehicles than I sleep anywhere else. It's the bougiest thing I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) Is it? No, it's definitely not. But I understand where you're coming from. And Ben, I mean, speaking of luxury, you have been taking a lot of international flights lately, um, and you tend to occupy these more kind of luxury sleeper type cabins because of a uh, because of your you got some connects <laughs> right yeah yeah so uh, i have ended up being a plus one kind of trophy for my girlfriend and as a result uh, because she works with an airline as a result we end up lucking out into these uh, these cabins uh, that i believe i have no business being in. I have no business in business class, Noel. So you're like arm candy for her? Is that what you're saying? I know, right? She just trots you out. Terrible taste in dudes, luckily for me. Uh, but I've also noticed that in these these cabins, the food's a little nicer. Mm-hmm. You get, you know, it's not like just the Crave box with your Cheez-Its and your, your yogurt or whatever it is, mm-hmm. or your hummus. It's more like a, a filet and like some vegetables. And there's even a hashtag your, your girlfriend follows called like, flight food or something like that it's a thing yeah yeah it's a thing there's a there's entire community online that just post pictures of different food they eat on airlines very specific it's yeah i love you know i I think we both love very specific communities and this is this is a crazy one the blogs alone are fantastic you can you can search any airline past or present and you won't learn much about the aircraft but you will learn what what kind of stuff they serve and the business class stuff uh, uh, what was it time is so funny time's such a flat circle it was a few weeks ago i want to say was it a week ago or just just 
too, when you and I and our good pal Matt were sitting down with John Hodgman, and he was telling us about his surreal experience being a um, a medallion status. Well, he's he's a chaser. He's a medallion chaser. That's right. He he's was chasing being... that diamond medallion status, which is uh, very ephemeral, as it turns out. I thought once you had it, you had it for life, Ooh. but you got to keep like you know that XP wears off very quickly. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I I felt for you because. I, I was looking up to you as you're you're close, right? I'm approaching silver, and I was told by Mr. Hodgman in no uncertain terms that that is a trash medallion. Yeah, it's it's a non medallion. Yeah. yeah, you can listen to that episode of stuff they don't want you to know. And John, uh, at some point, just stops responding to Noel, and whenever Noel mentions it, he just sort of screams. Well, I had questions. I was trying to yeah. understand how the points work, and there's different milestones that you reach that that give you the next boost to the next level, level mm -hmm. up. I guess uh, he would not engage with me because I was far, far too much beneath him. Um, but we're not talking about medallions today. We're, we started talking about luxury, mm -hmm. and then we got derailed a little bit, which I love um do you remember have you ever seen or heard any stories about led zeppelin's uh luxury plane private plane called the starship mm -hmm. i have heard of the starship yeah so it had like a full lounge with an electric organ and like at the time it was a cutting edge like video system where they could play films and it was absolutely the height of decadence and dare we say luxury and there was a time yeah this is a boeing 707 uh after a two hundred thousand dollar renovation the plane would have been leased they didn't even own it for twenty five hundred dollars per flight and it was just like you know absolute represented that led zeppelin decadence with you know coke fueled mm -hmm. parties with elton john and aerosmith and all that stuff we're not talking about that exactly today but there was a time where that level of at least aesthetic lounginess could have possibly been available to uh folks like me or you. Yeah, it could have become the norm. You know, today, a lot of people who travel by air uh, have have a core common understanding of the different problems, you know, like, ah, security stinks. I hate waiting in line. No one wants a middle seat. And flying it can be such a hassle in the modern day. But back in the glory days of regulated air travel, we saw things like that Led Zeppelin plane, right? We saw things like, uh, for anybody who's a fan of Austin Powers, uh, you'll you'll notice they have uh, this stuff about luxury airlines there, and it's part of his yeah baby status. That is because of something called the Civil Aeronautics Board before 1978. The Civil Aeronautics Board controlled prices and routes for all, all of the planes in the U.S. And that meant that carriers couldn't really compete. Like your, just for example, your, your Frontier, your Spirit, or your Delta, or your Alaskan Airlines, or whatever. They couldn't mess with each other too much on prices, nor could they have a lot of agency with routes. So the only way they could compete to get more customers was based on how they served their customers. You know what I mean? And that meant they started installing some of that stuff you described, uh, which we could describe a little bit more, uh, like the, remember the Tiger Lounge? 
I don't remember it personally. I was, I was never lucky enough to to travel. We were um, born then <laughs> on the ti- in the Tiger Lounge, but yeah, it's true. So in 1970, the uh, the first Boeing 747 jet was introduced, and it, uh, in order to kind of take advantage of the massive amount of space that a big jet like that had, mm-hmm. um, and again at the time where the idea of competing for customers' attention and and dollar was a big deal between the airlines. So uh, they there was this thing called the Tiger Lounge, which was kind of in the guts of the Boeing 747. This was only a prototype. And it had things uh, like, it had a really bespoke glass top bar and like tiger print black leather seats. And there was even a, a glass bottom boat type situation that allowed you to look down into the, you know, the abyss. Mm-hmm. Which after some drinks, I don't know if that would have been a good idea. I, that would have kind of freaked me out or made me question my mortality a little too much. A window on the side I can handle, but straight down, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, also, uh, for anyone who hasn't seen the Los Angeles studio, Daniel, I got to tell you, it freaks me out to know that there's a glass bottom on, on the second floor. You saw that, right? Oh, yeah. That's weird. It is weird. I don't want to have meetings in there. No. I don't. I don't. Then you look up and there's people peering down at you. It's very uh, disconcerting. I don't know why. I found a new uh, weird neuroses. I don't want people to see the top of my head during meetings. You've been looking for one of those, Ben. <laughs> I've been looking. It is that time. But you're right, Noel. You're right because the Tiger Lounge sort of echoes uh, the the aesthetic of very fancy luxury cruise liners, you know? And because the Civil Aeronautics Board is no more, you're much less likely to see things like piano bars, which used to be in both first class and coach. You're less likely to see a Parisian chef uh, preparing meals, and you're less likely to see these like fashion plate uniforms for flight attendants. Uh, You're less likely to see a lot of stuff. And that's because In 1978, the reason that you and I and Daniel missed this glorified era of fancy airline travel is because in 1978, Congress enacted something called the Airline Deregulation Act. This is the reason we went from things like Tiger Lounges to Spirit. And no ding on Spirit. Spirit is a a budget airline that will get you where you need to go. The idea here was ostensibly that the act of deregulating the airline market would allow the average Jane and John Doe or Smith or whatever, you know, anonymous name you want to use to have access to this mode of travel, which was so much faster than a car or than a train at the time. And they would have never been able to afford it otherwise, the reasoning went. And this opened up a new playing field because You know, as we said at the top, airlines in the U.S. originally could not compete on price and they couldn't really compete on route. So they had to compete on customer service. But now that they could compete on the basis of price, they could really talk turkey and they could undercut their competitors and stuff. All the customer service bells and whistles. Right. (laughs) That that all fell to the wayside. They didn't need it. It wasn't part of the model anymore. Right. Mm hmm. But why, Ben? I, I'm still a little bit confused. Like, was it because there the competition had gotten too stiff and there were like empty flights or something like that? Like, I'm a little confused as to how deregulating would cause this change. 
Yeah, yeah, and and what the move, what the drive to deregulation would have been, right? That's right, yes. Because again, ostensibly, and I'll emphasize that word, please hear that in italics, ostensibly this is meant to bring uh, air travel to the people. However, there was something that occurred called the air mail scandal. And this occurred way back in the 1930s. This was a congressional investigation on, um, on corruption, on nepotistic awarding of contracts to certain airlines to carry mail. I see. Yeah, and because of that, people were much more in favor of government regulation originally. And now more and more, and these are modern days, we'll hear people arguing against regulation, often often with some sort of ulterior motive. But what happened with regulation in the airline industry is that it began to have the opposite effect uh, to what Congress originally wanted it to do, because they wanted to regulate flights to make sure that airfare was, in their opinion, fairly priced and that planes would not be in a situation where there would be empty flights. Like even now, even today in a deregulated environment, the three of us could buy plane tickets and someone may have sold us t more tickets than there were seats on the plane. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely a, a rarity to ever be on a flight where there's even one empty seat. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know that I've been on a, I mean, I, I, I had a middle free middle seat on this last flight that I took and that was just like a dream come true you know i could stretch my one leg out to the side mm -hmm. i could use that middle tray table as an additional table that i it had to get into an agreement with my other seatmate. It was like hey man is this cool i'll have this side you can have that side mm -hmm. you know it was great but that's that's very unusual no i get it now ben i guess the diff the, the, the the issue for me was the disfluency of like you know regulation good deregulation bad mm -hmm. but it was that regulation that was causing the airlines to prosper right mm -hmm. but it maybe was keeping fares higher and there wasn't enough competition. Um, and so it wasn't necessarily good for the consumers. And then I believe that it got to a point where the Civil Aeronautics Board was seen as having kind of um, run its course. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. 
So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts of a spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. At this point in time, late 1970s, what they're seeing is that there are regulated airlines, and those are the legacy airlines, and then there are these upstarts, or I should say startup airlines, that are unregulated. So Congress compares the basic fare of a ticket, and they say, let's look at what it costs someone to fly on a regulated airline and what it costs to fly on an unregulated airline. And then they said, oh, wow, click light bulb moment, unregulated airlines charge way less money per ticket. And we should help people get some savings. And therefore, we're helping more people to fly, which in the long term, arguably helps this industry. There's a guy from Cornell University, Alfred E. Kahn, K-A-H-N, and he was he was, according to a great article on airandspace.si.edu, he was one of the first academics to look at the airline industry simply and solely as a business. And he said, if we break up this regulated structure that we have, we will create new space for new airlines, will increase competition, therefore will lower these Fares. Yeah, and Carter actually appointed him as the chair of the Civil Aeronautics Board to lead the charge into this new era of deregulation. And at the time, um, the major airlines were were against it, which is interesting, right? You would think yeah. they'd be like more money, more money, or like you know, less, fewer rules, more money. We can do whatever we want. Mm -hmm. But again, that's that's the thing you kind of have to wrap your head around. Like this idea of regulation was more or less in the best interest of the airlines rather than the consumer. And this, it's, it's just kind of, it's a little tricky for me even like when you uh, deregulate something, you think that means it's a free-for-all now, but it didn't quite mean that in the situation at all, right? Yeah, exactly. And so when Congress pushed this through and, and Carter signed the Deregulation Act, which was 1978, specifically October 24th. So the anniversary is coming up if you're looking for something strangely specific to celebrate. Uh, when they signed this Deregulation Act, they fundamentally changed the airline industry. And we're still feeling the effects of this today. The Deregulation Act eventually dissolved that Civil Aeronautics Board, which, again, Alfred E. Kahn had run for a time. And now U.S. airlines were no longer regulated the way that a public utility is regulated. 
And this led to the death of some iconic famous airlines. Without this regulation, outfits like Pan Am or Eastern Airlines couldn't compete because there were new younger airlines that were coming in. They were coming in hot. You know what I mean? Yeah, but Pan Am too is like the quintessential luxury type, you know, iconic 60s, 70s airline that you think of, Mm -hmm. like with these kinds of lounges and these piano bars and the very, very stylish uh, flight attendants and all of that and like the kind of cocktail hour culture. Like I think, wasn't there a TV show about Pan Am? I mean, Pan Am shows up in a ton of films for sure. Yeah, it was in uh, Catch Me If You Can for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like there was actually a series sort of recently about the history of Pan Am or it was like, you know, about that whole kind of universe. You're right, Noel. A quick quick look online tells me that not only was there a TV series about Pan Am, it is called Pan Am. Burst of creativity. Burst of creativity. I yeah. love I love to uh, attribute that. Uh yeah, the um the deregulation knocks down not knocks down these formerly Herculean legacy carriers and introduces a new species of airline, the low-cost carrier or LCC. So essentially it just lowered the barrier to entry into the field, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what maybe once was not a monopoly necessarily, but at the very least a, a very tight-knit group of competitors that more or less weren't after each other. There was enough you know, money to go around. Now the field is kind of flooded with all of these young whippersnapper airlines, <laughs> sure. and nobody really cares about the luxury stuff anymore because they have more access to cheap tickets and travel that a certain segment of the economy would not have had before. It was much more exclusive. Even if there was a coach kind of piano bar situation, it still would have been way out of reach for most, you know, lower to middle class Americans. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people prior to the 70s were traveling. This may surprise some of our younger listeners. It certainly surprised me. A lot of people prior to the 70s, instead of traveling in luxury airlines, they were traveling in luxury buses and coaches. There's a great museum in Hershey, Pennsylvania, where you can see uh, tons of, the, oh yeah, literally tons of these buses yeah. uh, that have you know uniformed attendants. They have a, a beverage cart and food service. So we're still in a situation where people have expected this. And now with deregulation, someone's able to say, well, I may not get, you know, I may not get my fine wine and I may not get I don't know. I'm making stuff up. My my foot massage. Cushions and linens and oils and lotions. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I may not get all of these things. uh, And I may be eating a a microwave meal or just some peanuts. Microwave was considered very, very forward, very futuristic at the time. I mean, well, it was earlier than that. But remember when the microwave was like, it was called, you know, microwave cooking was like the wave of the future. And there'd be Mm -hmm. like microwave cookbooks. I think that was probably more in the 50s. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Maybe they were more on a toaster oven vibe. That's but, true. But uh, they, they, our point is that people would say, okay, I may not get all this stuff, but I can travel faster than I ever have before, and I can finally afford it. And this means that now what people expect when they buy a ticket has changed. And there are some success stories like today, Southwest Airlines is the largest domestic carrier in terms of like how many butts they put in seats and then in the air. Yeah. 
and then down on the ground. Can I throw a little shade real quick? Yeah, please. It's not really shade. I just, you know, we're lucky. We travel a lot for work, and so we're able to book whatever airline is is most uh, convenient. And so I tend to book Delta, and I flown exclusively on Delta for quite a while, and then ran into a situation where I was coming out here to L.A., and the Delta flight was just exorbitantly more expensive because I waited too long to book. So I did my first Southwest flight, and I was shocked, Ben. At the lack of luxury. You were shocked, you there, say. There wasn't even a USB charger. Scandalized. There were no there were no seat back screens. Dude. Was there Wi-Fi? Barely. It was like one G. <laughs> it was like a half a G. Oh, how long was the flight? Long. Do you feel like now you're you're a you're a Delta boy through and through? I mean, I think I have to be, but here's what happened, Ben. Yeah. I had I I I assumed surely there's a way to charge my device. So I, I wasn't paying any attention. I was just using it willy nilly, you know, in the terminal. Take and I get videos. On, taking videos, Snapchatting, you know, uh, <laughs> can, crushing candies. And then I get on the plane and I'm like, excuse me, uh, excuse me, Matt Miss, uh, where, where where's the the outlet? And she just looked at me with disdain and went and, and, and rolled her eyes and scoffed at me and 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 and, and walked away. And and I I had to I had to I had to think I had to, I was I was I had to be with my own thoughts. You were alone in your head for four and a half hours. Oh, you hate that. It's terrifying, dude. It's terrifying. I would occasionally like turn the phone back on, even though I had three percent battery left, and I'm like, I'm gonna ration myself out. <laughs> Five seconds of screen time at a time. Well, um, I'm glad I'm glad you made it, you know, and that's that's an interesting anecdote because it goes into what we're what we're saying here, which is it's less a matter luxury again is relative, right? It's comparative. Luxury is based on expectation, right? And for you, if had you gone into that situation knowing what the score would be, it would have been a little less um surprising, right? Right. right. Yes, And we're at the point, especially if you travel, uh, if you become accustomed to the same thing, and I'm not saying like fancy tiger skin piano bars, but if you're accustomed to something like a USB charger, then it doesn't feel like a luxury. Well, it goes back to what you said at the beginning of the show, Ben, the idea of luxury in and of itself is subjective, right? Like, you know, a USB charger on a plane compared to no USB charger on a plane to me is, is, is luxury, or at least at the very least based on my expectation. Mm-hmm. And the ability to fly at all for many people is is a luxury. The uh, to me, the ability to fly is definitely a luxury because you know I I have this bad habit where I oh, I start rationing out hours and thinking in terms of what I could have done, how long something would have taken. So if I'm on a, a four hour flight, and I'm thinking, well, how long would it take for me to drive? Right. And then how long would it take for me to walk and, uh, you know, or ride a horse or something, which I'm still not solid on the numbers there. I haven't, I haven't done my uh, horse research yet, but, but we think about it and it is this enormous luxury. And now that we are in this uh, era of deregulation, and now that we also have people uh, and institutions advocating for fewer plane flights due to environmental concerns, we have to ask ourselves, is this a sustainable thing? Because when when the re- deregulation occurs, a bunch of new airlines come up and then a bunch of them die. They, they go kaput. Uh, their <clears throat> stocks crash. Remember Trump Airlines? I do. Not personally, but I remember reading about it. That was a thing that lasted about five minutes. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, up there with Trump casinos, Trump steaks. I think Virgin is still a thing, though. Did Virgin die? And that was one. Of, that was one of the new entries into the field of Ooh. recent years. And I think it's still around. Yeah, Virgin's going li- alive and kicking. We got the thumbs up from Dan. We sure did. Huge, uh, huge fan of Virgin Airlines. I mean, I, I think there's neat things about Virgin Airlines. I think yeah. isn't there something cool about it? What, what what's the gimmick for Virgin Airlines, Daniel? Do you know? Uh, you know, fancy purple lighting on the inside. See, oh, you know? there you go. That that okay. constitutes luxury. luxury. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> luxury on, on a budget. Um, but no, it's absolutely true. And then you have like, you know, again, Delta is probably considered more of a premium airline because the ticket prices are uh, always a good a bit higher. higher yeah. yeah. And again, for good reason, not good reason, really, because again, if you go, if you compare it to the way it was in the 60s and 70s, where you had, like you said, you know, infinity pools and, you know, <laughs> right. glass tabletops and things and like, like that. And like belly dancers. Right. And then all of a sudden there's just, uh, there, there's a, the first robot right. ever. A, a gram of play. cocaine came with your ticket. <laughs> right, right. That was, that was, that was par for the course. Um, it, you know, it obviously pales in comparison, but then you compare having a little bit more leg room. That, that, that constitutes luxury at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you think about how much people pay for a first class ticket. All you're getting is a slightly wider seat and the ability to stretch your legs out a little bit and a, a tray snacks. table, better snacks, and maybe a compliment. You get served first and you get to get on the plane first mm-hmm. because travel has become such a nightmarish hellscape in terms of just getting to the airport, how congested it is. Now we've got all the security regulation, taking off your shoes. Every time I go through, uh, through security, I've kind of trained my mind not to look at it as such an affront anymore. I just sort of turn off my brain until I get on the other side. But it's stressful. Yeah, it's stressful. That's why I I always end up getting to a gate. Uh, or I, I, if I feel like I'm going to be on time, I assume that means I'm going to be late. You know what I mean? And part of it is because uh, the Deregulation Act worked. Airports are much more crowded. People can go places. We also live in an increasingly globalized society, so we are much more likely to know someone in a, in a distant physical location. What are some other uh, positives that came as a result of, uh, of deregulation, Ben? Ah, yes, yes, yes. Uh, the hub and spoke system is one of the big ones. So one of the reasons that people in the U.S. and in our part of the U.S. in Atlanta, Georgia, end up traveling Delta a lot is because Delta is, I wouldn't say a monopoly, but it's very much entrenched. And Delta has their headquarters and their big hub in Atlanta. You'll, right. Yeah, you'll hear people say, I like flying Delta. The thing is, no matter where I'm going, I have to stop in Atlanta first. It's a weird thing. But the the hub and spoke system is essentially this. Some airports are used as a connecting point for passengers coming from different places and going to different destinations. Pretty much every airline, except for maybe like a person's private G6 or something, they use this system. And to this day, I mean, we talked about it at the top of the show, Southwest is still, the hub for Southwest is in Dallas, I believe, at Love Field. Ah. And that's where, you know, they were one of the first low-cost uh, airlines to enter the fray. Uh, and they have thrived. They continue to thrive, and they're based there in Dallas. So you get a lot of flights coming out west, passing through Dallas or yeah. Houston. Um, but Atlanta is like the hub for like everywhere. And Atlanta still is, uh, depending on which metric you use, it still is the world's busiest airport, which always stuns me because it feels like there should be 
bigger airports, right? Well, I, I always assume. thought that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But then you go to like say LaGuardia in New York and it's like being in, you know, a third world country or like a Mad Max kind of situation. It's been under construction, renovation for like ever. Yeah. And, and the reason for that, it goes into one of the big drawbacks of deregulation is the over congestion that we talked about and the fact that a lot of airports are really, really on their last legs from being overused. I mean, originally a lot of airports were built to handle around 300, 400 flights a day. And now because of that demand and that um, kind of evening of the playing field, they're hosting more than a thousand flights a day. And so you have places like LaGuardia that have been trying desperately to kind of address that but because it still has to continue to be an active airport you can't just shut the airport down you got to kind of do it in little bits and pieces and i also tend to think the mob is involved sort of like the esplanade and <laughs> uh, the sopranos i'm pretty sure there's something going on there that place laguardia has been in construction for a long time and doesn't yeah. look like they've accomplished anything but that's just me new yorkers tell me i'm wrong tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yes you heard that right you can talk to a human on the discover customer service team anytime so the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. And so the infrastructure can't handle what's happening it's like we had these parking lots right and these parking lots were designed to fit cars let's think of it that way instead of flights just for comparison these parking lots were say designed to fit 50 cars and now we have more than 250 cars and we're we're putting a lot of logistics and a lot of algorithmic uh, magic into figuring out how these can all get a parking space for some amount of time. And we we see the same thing happening with people because airport congestion doesn't just stop at the uh, gate or the terminal. 
airport congestion occurs when you're in the plane as well. Yeah, and everybody wants convenience. Everyone wants to be able to pick any potential time for them to leave and get their destination on time, which means that a lot of people are wanting to be in the air at the same time, which puts a lot of stress on the infrastructure that is government regulated, which is air traffic control. I'm so glad you said that. Air traffic control, just thinking of working in air traffic control fills me with dread because you're the conductor of this great, dangerous, terrifying orchestra in the sky, and you're working with very old tools, and nobody really wants to pay to update it. I still think it's bonkers that airplanes still have ashtrays in them, and then they feel the need to remind you that you cannot smoke on this flight, like since the what, the, eight, the 80s? In the U.S., at least. I mean, I you know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of when you go to a gas station. I don't know if you still see this, um, but I, I see it. I feel like I still see this frequently. You go to a gas station, and they have the unnecessary sign that tells you the gasoline is unleaded. And, you know, it begs the question, like, who wears all this leaded gas? You know, I, I, I understand how it might be weird to change an ashtray, but I feel like you could just get rid of the the sentence unleaded. I agree. And speaking of fuel, that's another thing that goes to waste as planes are delayed because of these issues, because safety is obviously key. I mean, a midair collision, that just sounds like, you know, absolute nightmare fuel. So uh, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's true. But they burn a lot of fuel just yeah. sitting on the runway waiting to, to be, get, you know, get clearance to take off. I've been in situations multiple times where you're like number 15 to take off or there's some kind of, you know, kerfuffle with air traffic control and they don't tell you. They just kind of like, you just sit there and you're sitting there like idling and then jet you, fuel on a runway, which is super expensive. And then you get one of these. <clears throat> Uh, this is your, uh, captain speaking. We are number 15. Why do they all talk like that? Number 15 for Dallas. How does that happen? Good weather. What is the phenomenon that leads to that voice? So we'll, uh, give you some updates. Do you think they talk to their kids in that voice too? When they come in. I don't know. That would be upsetting to me growing up with my I dad. I hope they do. You think they whisper like uh, into their ear? You know, they like, say, oh, good, good, good night, uh, John, John, Johnny. Uh, your daddy loves you so much. When you wake up tomorrow. It's, it's like a Jimmy Stewart voice kind of, really. Slightly overcast. Yeah. Uh, first grade bus, uh, <laughs> delay 15 minutes. Exactly. <laughs> but, exactly. But, uh, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's a great point about the fuel. Let's go inside the airline too. Uh, and notice that it's true. The seats are getting smaller. People who've ridden airplanes for a long time. You're not crazy. In the 1970s, the seat was 34 inches. Uh, and then it, it turned to 32 or even now there are some that are 28 inches. And for any of us who are very tall or have really tall friends, like our pal Robert Lamb, you know, that that seat's got to be torturous. Oh, no doubt. And here, get this. This is a pretty interesting scoop. I didn't know this, but it makes perfect sense. The reason uh, Hartsfield Jackson International Airport, or as the uh, my favorite uh, location hashtag on Instagram, is uh, Hartsfield Latoya Jackson International Hair Salon and Spaceport. I like the Spaceport part, but I, I'm not a big fan of that name. You're not? It feels loaded. Well, whatever. People might not know about it if they're not from Atlanta. But, you, you know, if you've passed through, which you likely have, yeah. and you were taking an Instagram photo, it tends to come up as a location tag. Right. But Hartsfield uh, Airport was built after deregulation. So it was all of these things were taken into consideration, which is what made it king. Yeah, yeah. And for comparison, Detroit's airport 
is kind of like this straight line. It was built before this hub and spoke concept that came with deregulation. And so now we have the lay of the land, or perhaps we should say the scope of the sky. And I, I want to emphasize, I want to make sure that you and I don't sound like absolute heels. Uh, we're we're not jet setters. <laughs> we travel. We travel in coach. You oh, know? absolutely. We yeah. we you you have been lucky enough to be connected with an employee of a major airline, um, and so you get those buddy passes on lock, and that's what allows you to travel in those international flights. Which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I mean the international flights are going to be bigger and roomier and have more of these lounge areas anyway because there's such long flights, right? Well, they're they're larger planes. I haven't uh, I haven't ever traveled an international route on a private plane, but the good news for anybody who wants to see an airborne episode of MTV Cribs or something like that is that those things are still in the sky. There's still these very very high-end like cartoonishly, offensively posh airlines, like uh, Air Emirates or whatever. I used to watch YouTube videos of people who would pay untold thousands of dollars for what was essentially a studio apartment in the sky. It's nuts. And it's it's kind of like that Led Zeppelin stuff you were talking about. You can check out videos of the world's only private Boeing 787 Dreamliner, which is palatial and i knew i used this word earlier but it's uh it's palatial it's opulent and it is offensive can we say luxury again luxury. it just rolls off the tongue luxury, luxury. it's the just sound we should do we should do some uh, we should do some fake advertisements just for like not not plain specifically but just for the concept of luxury <laughs> we, uh, maybe we can easter egg that one but now that is where we are i have to ask you I have to ask you, Noel, and and I have to ask you, Daniel, and everybody listening to this show. Overall, given the pros and the cons that we know, was deregulation a good thing? I'm very surprised by my own response, which is that, yes, it appears so. I don't think that's surprising at all. I mean, anything that... Um reduces the exclusivity of a thing that is very, very valuable to many, many people, I think is ultimately a very good thing. And if you want to spend that cash and get that two inches more of leg room and that champagne cocktail or whatever, go with God. But at the end of the day, we're just trying to get from point A to point B. And the fact that we can fly in a magical tube through the sky, you know, across the country is pretty incredible. And that technology should be available to everyone. What do you think, Daniel? I wholeheartedly agree. I think the more accessible the technology is, the more we can allow people travel. Maybe their worldview opens up as well. Oh, nice social point as that well. That's a nice touch. I like that. Yeah. Um, well, man, I think this is it for our story today, is it not? Yes, this is it. This concludes our episode, but not our show. Thank you so much to everyone who tuned in. Uh, if you want to continue the conversation, we would love to hear your airplane uh, stories of inspiration or your airplane horror stories. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter, not just as a show. Ridiculous History is everywhere. You can just Google that. But you can also find me and Noel in our own personal misadventures. I was going to say as a people. As a people, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the nation of Ben and Noel. Um, you can find me exclusively on Instagram. I don't, I don't really tweet. I have a lurker account, but I don't really post anything. But on Instagram, I post up a storm at How Now Noel Brown. 
And uh, I am on, uh, I am doing various strange, completely non-sketchy things on Instagram at Ben Bolin. And you can also find me on Twitter at Ben Bolin HSW. Uh, thank you so much to our super producer, Daniel. Thank you to our super producer, Casey Pegram, there in spirit. Thanks to Alex Williams, who composed our theme. Christopher Hasiotis, also here in spirit. Jonathan Strickland, the quizster. Uh, God only knows where he is, but I hope he's okay. Because um, we haven't heard from him in a while. I'm really starting to worry. You can still find him on our Facebook community page, uh, Ridiculous Historians. He lurks. He lurks. He pops in. He'll chime in. He's got some hot takes. And uh, like that, he's gone. Like Kaiser Soze. Exactly. Exactly. But we promise you he does exist. Uh, I have a weird feeling that he will I have a, a spidey sense, Noel, that he will be on the way uh, sooner rather than later. Thanks to research associate Gabe Lucier. Uh, thanks to uh, airport deregulation and thanks to you, Noel, uh, and thanks to the L.A. studio for having us. Oh, for sure. Thanks to you, Ben. Tally-ho. See you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.